بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلاما على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد so after the summer break alhamdulillah once again we are continuing the weekly dars of the hadith may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding of his kalam and the kalam of the rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam allow us to benefit grant us that ilm which is nafi' beneficial that which brings us onto practice and is a hujja and a testimony in our favor yawm al-qiyamah not a testimony against us we had reached a hadith number 3 in this bab hadathana yahya ibn bukir i had read it and translated it and we had come to uh, the explanation halfway through uh, since it's been such a long gap i'm sure we might need to refresh our memory so i will quickly read through it and sum, uh, summarize up to the point where we had left off bismillahir rahmanir rahim bisanadil muttasil minna ila al-imam al-humam muhammadin ismail al-bukhari amir al-mu'minin fi al-hadith matta'ana allah bi'ulumihi wa 'ulumihi amina ya rabbal alamin qala haddathana yahya ibn bukairin qala haddathana al-layth an 'uqaylin an ibn shihab an 'urwah ibn zubair an aisha umm al-mu'minin رضي الله تعالى عنهم أنها قالت عائشة رضي الله عنها narrates أول ما بدي به رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من الوحي الرؤيا صالحة في النوم the beginning of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam's wahi and revelation were the true dreams he would see we had a full discussion on this about the dreams and what it means صالحة فكان لا يرى رؤيا إلا جاءت مثل فلق الصبح whatever dream he would see at night it would occur the next day and we would be as sure of it happening just like we would ha- have surety that the next day uh, would be the daylight falaq as-subh the bright daylight thumma habiba ilayhi al-khala'u then a period of time came where he started enjoying remaining in solitude by himself wa kana yakhlu bi ghari hira'in and he would stay in solitude to meditate in the cave of Hira فَيَتَحَنَّثُ فِيهِ وَهُوَ التَّعَبُّدُ and he would do deep reflection and meditation اللَّيَالِ أَذَوَاتِ الْعَدَدِ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَنْزِعَ إِلَى أَهْلِهِ for number of nights before returning back to his family Khadija رضي الله عنها وَيَتَزَوَّدُ لِذَلِكَ and he would take some provisions for that stay we talked about tawakkul and taking provisions thumma yarja ila khadijata then he would come back to his wife khadija radiyallahu anha by the way this is a dal khadija and in those who are from urdu background they say khadija with a ta is not a ta everyone in urdu background they say khadija literally changing the dal into a ta if you, if you notice it it's actually khadija not khatija to the point that when they translate uh, when they transliterate in english they, they so many times they put a t k h a t i j a khatija whereas the word is what khadija the d dal like a dua is at the ain is not with a waw so in urdu they say dua dua mein yaad rakhna dua dua wa wawalif wa so it's actually dua with ain it's not a waw dawa is with a waw 
دواؤں میں دوا اور دعا جیسے دعا اس طرح دعا وٹ از اٹ دعا اوکے سو خدیجہ از اے دال ناٹ خدیجہ اینی ثم يرجع الى خديجه then he came back to خديجه فيتزود لمثلها and he would prepare his um, his provisions once again to go back حتى جاءه الحق until the ultimate truth came to him Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is haq and Jibreel alayhi salam is al-haq in this case وَهُوَ فِي غَارِ حِرَةِ while he was still in the cave of Hira فَجَاءُهُ الْمَلَكِ the angel came to him فَقَالْ and said اِقْرَأْ read قَالَ مَا أَنَا بِقَارِئٍ he said I cannot read قَالَ فَأَخَذَنِي so we had covered this discussion when the angel was telling him to read there was nothing in front of him to read right so rather this is just like a teacher is telling the child or you are teaching a non-muslim new muslim repeat after me this is surah you need to learn alhamdu so you're supposed to repeat after what alhamdu you're not focusing on the translation of the word you're not saying all praises you're just saying the word alhamdu so Jibreel alayhi salam wanted him to just repeat after him and he said iqara and he wanted him to repeat iqara that's all but he said no no ma'ana biqari I do not read qala fa'akhadhani fa'ghattani then Jibreel alayhi salam grabbed me and he embraced me very forcefully hatta balagha minni al-jahda until it ended up even causing me pain forcefully he pressed me so hard he could not bear it thumma arsalani then he released me فَقَالَ اِقْرَأْ and he said read قُلْتُ مَا أَنَا بِقَارِئٍ he said I cannot read فَأَخَذَنِي فَغَتَّنِي أَثَانِيَ then he grabbed me and he did it a second time and third time ثُمَّ أَرْسَلَنِي then he said now he said اِقْرَأْ he read the whole thing اِقْرَأْ بِسْمِ رَبِّكَ الَّذِي خَلَقْ خَلَقَ الْإِنسَانَ مِنْ عَلَقْ اِقْرَأْ وَرَبُّكَ الْأَكْرَمْ read in the name of your Lord who has created he has created human beings the human being مِنْ عَلَقْ this you know the normally in the past they translated it as a clot of blood but this was based on the understanding now we know that when the sperm fertilizes the egg and the zygote, which is the union of the sperm and egg, the first cell that is created of the human being, and then it divides and multiplies and becomes the fetus, and it grows and becomes the newborn baby. So that first union of the sperm and the egg, that is the alaq. Iqra wa rabbuka al-akram. Read in your Lord. He is the akram, the most generous, the most kareem. So this is how far we had reached with the explanation moving forward فَرَجَعَ بِهَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ so Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم he came back to Khadija رضي الله عنها يَرْجُفُ فُؤَادُهُ and when he came back his heart was beating فُؤَاد is the heart his heart was beating rapidly why was his heart beating rapidly? So, 
One is the fact that it was a huge surprise. Uh, he was alone for so long doing ibadah, and all of a sudden the angel appeared. Then the, in, the entire incident itself was um, quite traumatic, to say the least. And he was also already aware of the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had granted him this nubuwa and had granted him this high maqam. And along with that, there is a great mission he has to accomplish. So the, the pressure of that was up, upon him. How will he be able to fulfill this mission? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have made it a very, very simple affair, could have made it easy without any difficulty. But this is the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that based on how lofty a status Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has destined for an individual, uh, that is how many difficulties and hardships they have to go through. So this kalam of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says about it, inna, uh, that qawlan thaqila. We are revealing a heavy kalam upon you. When we spoke about the different types of wahi, we covered that, how heavy the wahi was, and what are the effects of that upon those around Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And an additional benefit some of the scholars mentioned is that these incidents showed that the matter was out of the control of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. It is not something that he is making up because these are involuntary things. These are matters beyond his control. And that is why he was affected the way he's affected. If he was, na'udhu billah, na'udhu billah, if somebody is creating a false story, uh, is uh, making it up, fabricating it, then they would not have um, such trauma. And they would not be so shocked and surprised because they're the one coming up with the story. And this explains a lot of different phenomena that happened with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam prior to his prior to his receiving nubuwa. An example of that uh, is at the age of four years old, when he was a young boy, how he had that operation. When the angel came, cut open his chest, took out his heart, washed it, and his siblings, Rada'i siblings, he did not have biological siblings. His uh, siblings, meaning Halima Sa'diya's children, they ran home and they called their mother and they came and saw Nabi Sallallahu lying very pale and they were frightened what happened they said that his chest was opened up and his heart was taken out and it was washed and put back so if there was a black dot in the heart that had to be removed and is being removed in such a miraculous manner uh, it begs the question that why couldn't there not have been a black dot to begin with so the answer is that this incident other incidents like this it, the the shade of the palm tree or the cloud upon Rasulullah when he is traveling as a child with his uncle Abu Talib in the trade caravan in the Qafila, the trade caravan which is going to Syria. All of these incidents, they are there so people can see, people can hear about it, people can think about it, ponder and reflect, wow, this is not a normal child. Right from Halima Sa'diya radiallahu ta'ala anha her camel being uh, the last one, the slowest one, and her milk being finished. But when she takes the baby, Rasulullah her milk starts flowing, her camel goes from the back of the uh, caravan to the front. 
So people knew that this is a blessed baby. This is not a. This is not an average baby. This is a blessed child. It's not a normal child. This is a blessed young man, not a normal young man, and on so on and so forth. So finally, at the age of forty, when he uh, brings forth the message that Allah has selected me to be a prophet, Ya Yohannas, O mankind, Qulu la ilaha illallah, say la ilaha illallah. You will be successful. I am inni Rasulullah ilaykum jamia. I have been sent as messenger of Allah towards all of you. It would be easier for people to accept. They would put all the dots together in their mind. Oh, that's why all of these things happen for this day. He was always unique. In fact, uh, Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha, when she was t- takes Rasulullah to her cousin in, in this hadith, as we will see, the reason she did that was for her own confirmation. As far as Rasulullah was concerned, he, you know, he had no doubt about his risala. The non-Muslims and the Orientalists, they try to uh, attack Rasulullah and say that, oh, he wasn't aware that he was a prophet until uh, Waraka had to tell him. That is not the case. Khadija radiallahu anha, she already saw these signs in Rasulullah when she had selected him to be in charge of her caravan. And she had sent Masira to go and spy on him and to watch his behavior and when she got the full report uh, she knew that he was a very unique individual and was uh, wanting to share in the khair and goodness that was going to come and she was the one who proposed to him Rasulullah did not propose to propose marriage to Khadija she is the one who proposed to him and said I want to get married to you because she knew that he was very unique and very special and she was also definitely a very special lady And then, subhanAllah, what happens after that? يَرْجُفُ فُعَدُ فَدَخَلَ عَلَى خَدِيجَةَ بِنْتِ خُوَيْلِدٍ رضي الله عنها So he came upon his wife Khadija بِنْتِ خُوَيْلِدٍ رضي الله عنها She was married twice prior to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. She was 40 years of age when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam got married to her at the age of 25. 15 years elder than Rasulullah. She was born 15 years before the year of the elephant. From the time of Umar radiallahu anhu when they made mashwara, they, institution, they instituted the hijra calendar. Prior to that, uh, the way the Arabs used to mark the dates would be by Amul Fil, the year of the elephant. Because the army of Abraha, when it came to attack the Kaaba, it was such a um, major event in the history of Arabia within the centuries prior to Rasulullah the last you know, generations at least that was the biggest incident ever that had a huge imprint on the minds of everyone how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent طَيْرًا أَبَابِيلًا تَرْمِيهِمْ بِحِجَارَةً مِنْ سِجِيلٍ and destroyed the army of Abraha so that became a reference point so if you look in the books of uh, Tarajim or the biographies of the Sahaba like Al-Isti'ab Ashab or Ibn Abdul Mar or Ali Saba, Sahaba, or Ustul Ghaba. All the biographies of the Sahaba, when they talk about when they were born, just like we give the date by the year, they would say, you know, he was born like Abu Sufyan, 20 years before the year of the elephant. Or Abu Bakr, 
two and a half years after the year of the elephant. So he was born two and a half years after the year of the elephant. And he passed away two and a half years after Rasulullah. So he had the, who was born in the year of the elephant itself? Rasulullah. The year of the elephant, that was a huge incident that was giving a prophecy of a big event that will occur that same year, which was the birth of Rasulullah. So Khadija radiallahu anha is mentioned, she was born 15 years before the year of the elephant. So we know she was 15 years older than Rasulullah. So when he was 25, she was 40. So Khadija bint Khuwailid bin Asad bin Abdul Uzza bin Qusay bin Kilab bin Murrah bin Ka'ab bin Nuay bin Ghalib bin Fahar bin Malik. Fahar bin Malik is uh, the father of the Quraysh tribe. So she was from the Qurayshi, from the descendants of Qusay. That is where her lineage joins with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam back at Qusay bin Kilab. Our beloved Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, our master was Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam bin Abdullah bin Abdul Muttalib bin Hashim bin Abdul Manaf bin Qusay. And she is Khadija bin Khuwailid bin Asad bin Abdul Azza bin Qusay. So the sixth grandfather of the join. Faqala, she said, so she was a very, very unique individual. First one, Rasulullah married. And when he was married to her, she was the only wife the entire time. And she was the mother of all of his children except for Ibrahim, who was another boy that Rasulullah had much later in Medina from Maria Qibtiya, who also died in childhood. But the four children that reached adulthood, Zainab, Ruqiyya, Umm Kulthum, and Fatima. All of them, they had one mother, Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. Rasulullah loved her dearly, for she supported him in very difficult times. Aisha radiallahu anha, who came much later, she said, Ya Rasulullah, um, why is it that this is Khadija? I never met her, I never saw her but you love her so much when I am here in front of you and serving you and you still cannot uh, forget her and Rasulullah said that she is the one who believed in me when the rest of the people were rejecting me and she is the one who supported me when everyone else was abandoning me and she supported Rasulullah with her life with her and with her wealth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had blessed her with immense wealth which she dedicated for the sake of the deen. She has a unique honor that Jibreel just like he's descending here with the wahi, he also descended one day and he told Rasulullah please inform your wife Khadija that Allah is sending his salam. Allah is sending salam upon you in this dunya. So when a people when the Ahlul Jannah will enter Jannah, there is salam there too. One is Da'wahum fiha subhanakallahumma wa tahiyyatuhum fiha salam. The Ahlul Jannah will be saying salam to one another. And then you have the angels will be coming in from every door and they will be saying salamun alaykum 
second level. Third level is salamun qawlam min rabbir rahim. Salam from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So salam from Ahlul Jannah to Ahlul Jannah. Salam from Malaika. Ultimate third one is salamun qawlam min rabbir rahim. And that salam she already received in this dunya, subhanAllah. So how blessed is a soul that receives the salam from Allah in this dunya. And three, three years before the hijrah, meaning 10th year of Nabuwa. 10th year of Nabuwa is the third year, three years before the hijrah. was known as the Amul Huzn. There's the Amul Feel, the year of the elephant. Then there's the Amul Huzn, the year of grief. In that year of grief, after suffering, a terrible suffering in the boycott that they had in the valley of Abi Shared by Abi Talib for three years, the Banu Hashim were boycotted. Then Abu Talib, the uncle of Rasulullah passed away, and Khadija radiallahu anha passed away. Khadija radiallahu anha passed away three days after Abu Talib. So it was back to back. It was a very, um, uh, very big uh, pain for Rasulullah and it was a great test for him to lose both of these pillars of support and Rasulullah not only did he honor her when she was alive but even after she passed away Rabbi would distribute gifts and meat and whatever he would have to her friends even and her sisters and her relatives to honor her after she passed away so he comes to Khadija radiallahu anha فقال, and he said زميلوني, زميلوني. Uh, wrap me up, wrap me up. Why was he asking her to wrap, wrap him up? Because he was shivering. And he was feeling um, shivering from the pressure of the incident that happened. What was he afraid of? Well, he was afraid of, will I be able to fulfill this responsibility or not? Just like when we are afraid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are not afraid that Allah, will he commit dhulm on us? Will he commit injustice on us? No, we are afraid of displeasing Allah. We are afraid of not fulfilling the expectations Allah Ta'ala has from us. That, was, that is what he was afraid of. And this is not because he didn't have ilm, this is because he had ultimate highest level of ilm. Who fear Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala? Those who have knowledge of Allah. Allah Ta'ala says, إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهَ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاء Those who have ilm, those who are the true ulama, have knowledge of Allah, they are the only ones who fear Allah. So this is not due to lack of ilm, this is because of his uh, having ilm. فَزَنْبَلُوهُ They wrapped him up حَتَّى ذَهَبَ عَنْهُ الرَّوْعُ Until he calmed down. فَقَالَ لِخَدِيجَةَ Then he told Khadija رضي الله عنه what happened. وَأَخْبَرَهَا الْخَبَرَ And he informed uh, and he informed her of the news. Now, if it was uh, being afraid about not, fulfill, not being able to fulfill the right of Nubuwa or the opposition he's going to face, that's normal. And if, it were, if he was afraid because of the surprise, that is also possible. Because the Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also a bashar, a human being. He is the khairul bashar, the best of the human beings. So natural, naturally, uh, as a human being, being shocked and surprised, that is possible for a Nabi and it is not contrary to Nubuwa. And we see such examples in the Quran. One of them is Ibrahim alayhi salam. Allah Ta'ala says, When Ibrahim alayhi salam presented the food to 
the very handsome guests who came to visit him and they did not take out their hands and stretch forth towards the food he saw their hands he was not going towards the food they just kept their hands back he presented the food to them um, he when he saw the guests what happened he ran towards his wife quickly he brought a he slaughtered a calf and he roasted it and he brought it and then when he brought the roast calf, he saw their hands are not f stretching forth towards the food. Then he felt afraid. Why did he feel afraid? Is because It is because in, in those times, even the enemies, they had this sense of honor um, that they would consider it beneath their dignity to harm someone after they have eaten from them, from their plate, from their table. So if someone is coming with an intention to harm you, he would not eat from your plate because I, I'm, I'm not your friend. Why, how can I eat from your plate and then I end up hurting you? So he, he thought that, okay, these people have evil designs. Anyway, that's a long story, but the word here is And of course, uh, we, we can all recall the story of Musa alayhi salam. Musa alayhi salam, uh, when the the magicians, they threw their sticks. Allah Ta'ala said, فَإِذَا حِبَالَهُمْ وَعِصِيُّهُمْ يُخَيِّلُوا إِلَيْهِ مِنْ سِحْرِهِمْ أَنَّهَا تَسْعَى They threw their sticks and their ropes and through their magic, they made it appear like they were snakes. فَأُوْجَسَ فِي نَفْسِهِ خِيفَةً Then Musa he, he got afraid from the snakes coming at him. But they were not real snakes. قُلَّا لَا تَخَفْ Allah Ta'ala said to Musa Alayhi do not be afraid. إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْأَعْلَى You will be uh, winning this match, you will be superior. You, 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 what you have is real. It's a real miracle. And when the magicians saw it, they knew that this is not magic. This is the haqiqah. This is a miracle from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they all accepted Islam. So, لَقَدْ خَشِيتُ عَلَى نَفْسِي فَقَالَتْ خَدِيجَةُ كَلَّا وَاللَّهِ مَا يُخْزِيكَ اللَّهُ أَبَدًا So he said, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that will I be able to fulfill this task? I'm afraid that the enemies may kill me. I'm afraid will I be able to uh, uh, please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So Khadija radiallahu anha said, Kalla, don't worry. Wallahi, I swear by Allah, ma Allah abada. Allah will never allow you to be disgraced. So this was her yaqeen based on the signs that she had seen. This is called ma'qul, aqlan. Logically, she reached this conclusion. But along with aqal, she wanted some naqal. She wanted some transmitted evidence. So there's two things. One is, in our deen, we have an aqli dalil, which is a logical point of view, uh, something that we can infer. And then there is a naqli dalil. Naqli dalil is some uh, Quranic ayah or a hadith, which proves the matter. So this conclusion she reached was, did she have any textual evidence? No, this was aqli. And then when she goes to uh, her cousin who is Waraqa ibn Nawfal then he provides the naqli dalil subhanallah and when it comes to hiraqal he had aqli and naqli both as we will see the king the Roman emperor so she accepted Islam here she is the one who confirmed his prophethood so the first individual who accepted Islam 
is Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. She is, now she happens to be a woman, of course, that's why they say the first woman to accept Islam. But that's kind of misleading because we, we might think, okay, she's just the first woman, not the first one overall. She is the first individual overall who accepted Islam, who happens to be a woman, so obviously she's the first woman. And the first amongst the grown men is Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. And the first amongst the children is Ali bin Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. And the first amongst the slaves was Zayd ibn Haritha radiallahu ta'ala So this reconciles all the narrations. Some narrations you will see, oh, Abu Bakr was the first one who accepted Islam. Man aslam. Some you'll see Ali bin Abi Talib. Some say Zayd bin Haritha. But they're talking about different categories. Um, so this, these were the members of the household. Nowadays with different incidents happening globally, they talk about the royal household. Allahumma, right? So, uh, this is one of the prophecies of the Day of Judgment. Those who have the, most, uh, the lowest character, committing all types of zina and everything, they would be the leaders. In any case, the household of Rasulullah was Khadija radiallahu anha. She's the wife, only wife. And then we have uh, Zayd radiallahu anha is the slave who's growing up in the same home. He was a slave that actually became freed and was an adopted son. That's another story, but we know that he was, what, originally free. Then he was captured by highway robbers who sold him in Mecca to Hakim bin Hizam. And Hakim bin Hizam bought him as a slave and gave it as a gift to his aunt, Khadija radiallahu anha. Then Khadija radiallahu anha, when she married Rasulullah she handed over Zayd to her husband as a gift. That's how he ended up having Rasulullah as his master. And his father and uncle, they were searching for him. Finally, someone said they saw him in Mecca. So there are amazing poems that he had sung, missing, looking for his son. Finally, he comes to Mecca. He comes to the house of Rasulullah and asks for his son back. And he said, I'm willing to pay any ransom. Rasulullah said, I don't need any ransom. If he's your son, I will give him back. But one strange condition, provided he wants to go back. So the father and uncle were shocked. What kind of condition is that? One side, they were shocked by the generosity. On the other hand, they were shocked by the condition. But when uh, Rasulullah called Zayd and said, do you know these two people? Who are they? He said, that is my father. That is my uncle. And he said, you want to go back with them? He said, I would love to live and die as your slave rather than go home free. So what type of master he must have been? So then Rasulullah said, I free you for the sake of Allah. And from today you will be known as Zayd ibn Muhammad. I adopt you as my son. And he was known as Zayd ibn Muhammad for many years. Until the revelation of Surah Al-Ahzab. In which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Ud'uhum li'aba'ihim. Whenever you call people, call them by the names of their, for, of their biological fathers. This is just in the eyes of Allah. Because maintaining the lineage is an important part of the deen to avoid all kinds of problems. Amongst them is that you do not want to end up marrying someone. It is haram for you to marry if the lineage is not maintained. And inheritance is a sharia, is a haq of the sharia, etc., etc. And since after that, his name was not Zayd bin Muhammad. Went back to Zayd ibn Haritha. But to console him, because of his the pain that he had, that Nabi sallallahu name has been taken away from his name, Allah revealed his name in the Quran. And he's the only Sahabi whose name is in the Quran. In the same Surah Al-Ahzab. Since his, his pain was with regards to the name 
then the balm and the ointment was also with regards to the name itself. The name came in the Quran. So Ali radiallahu anhu was also growing up. Now what happened with Ali radiallahu anhu is that Rasulullah we know his father passed away before he was born. And what happened next? Six years of age, his mother passed away. Eight years of age, his grandfather passed away, Abdul Muttalib. So from eight years all the way till his marriage, who performed his marriage? Abu Talib. All the way till he died in the 10th year of Nabuwa, 50 years of Rasulullah's life, Abu Talib was always supporting him. So Nabi ﷺ wanted to repay the favor back. And Abu Talib, despite being from the Banu Hashim and the son of Abdul Muttalib, had come upon hard financial times. He was, his business was going down. He was poor. So since he raised Rasulullah Rasulullah told Abu Talib that I will raise one of your children. So Abu Talib had four sons. The first one was Talib. And there was a 10-year gap. And then there was Aqil. And then there was Jafar, Jafar bin Abi Talib. And the fourth one was Ali bin Abi Talib. So Ali bin Abi Talib was the youngest. And Nabi Wasallam said, okay, I will raise him in my home uh, as a small token of appreciation that you raised me in your home. So that is how Ali radiallahu was growing up in the house of Rasulullah When did he move out? He moved out when Fatima radiallahu and he moved out. So even though, you know, he could have continued staying there, but subhanAllah, he moved out when he got married to Fatima radiallahu anha. So Fatima radiallahu had moved out with subhanAllah. So since he was in the home, now Abu Talib himself did not accept Islam, but he saw Ali radiallahu anhu praying. And he said, what are you doing? Then he said, this is a salah, this is a form of worship I learned from Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, his cousin, but the one who's taking care of him. So Abu Talib said, go ahead, that's fine, that's fine. He, can, he allowed him to pray, he allowed him to follow the deen. Unfortunately, he did not accept it himself. There's a poem on Qasida of Abu Talib in which he says, I know that the deen of Muhammad is the best of the deen. But unfortunately, knowing is not sufficient until a person believes and testifies. Believes and testifies. Iman is tasdiq, to believe. And iqrar, to uh, iqrar bil lisan, to testify with the tongue, tasdiq bil janan, to believe with the heart, and amal bil arkan, to act with the body. And ma'rifatul haqq, knowing the truth, is not sufficient. Because the Yehud knew him to be true as well. And many of the mushrikun knew him to be true as well. So knowing the truth doesn't mean you are believing it and testifying to it and following it. So all of the core family members accepted Islam. First, first batch. فَقَالَتْ خَدِيجَةُ So she accepted Islam. She's awwaluman aslama. She said, Wallahi la yukhzikallahu abada. Allah will not allow you to be destroyed. Allah will preserve you, protect you. Now, what are the evidences that she makes for her case because of the following? Watch. إِنَّكَ لَتَصِلُ rahim. Number one, you are the one who takes care of the family ties. Rahim literally means the womb of a woman, of a mother. So all the relatives that go back to a womb, for example, siblings, uh, they go back to the womb of the mother. And if they are cousins, they go back to the womb of the grandmother. And, you know, second cousins go back to the womb of the great-grandmother. So you're connected through the womb. Rahim, Arham. Rahim. So you take care of the relatives. And you also 
carry the burden of those who are poor. And those who are destitute, you earn for them, help them physically, financially. Al-Dayf is guest. You um, are very generous with the guests. And those who are affected by calamities, you assist them. You give Iana help. So this was the description Khadija radiallahu anha gave to prove that you know you are a great man. Subhanallah. This shows us you know the level of her insight regarding Rasulullah, the level of her psychology, the level of her love of Rasulullah. She could have just said, be quiet, you know, it's, everything's fine, why are you making a big deal? But she didn't do that, she consoled him. And she didn't just console briefly, she went tafsilan with detail. And uh, there's a lot of time when there is so much benefit in, uh, in the detail. When you, subhanAllah, give evidence upon evidence upon evidence. So it, it's, it's console, consolation upon consolation upon consolation. Instead, sometimes you do need that versus just a short answer. And one of the commentators, he mentioned a really beautiful point here that these exact same words in the exact same order, we find the description of Rasul of Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala when he was going for hijrah, finally he, he got tired, he couldn't handle the oppression in Mecca. So he decided to migrate towards Habasha, Ethiopia. As there was a first hijrah to Ethiopia, then there was a second hijrah to Ethiopia, Habasha in Africa. Then the third hijrah was towards Madil Tamanawara. So he also was leaving. And when he was outside Makkah Makarama on the way uh, to the coast, the Red Sea coast, to leave Mecca, not only leave Mecca, leave Arabia. Not only leave Arabia, leave the whole continent of Asia, go to the other continent of Africa. He was leaving the whole, uh, making hijrah from the whole continent. So Ibn Dajana met him and he said, Where are you going? Ibn Dagana. He said, Where, where are you going? He said, No, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving Mecca. So Ibn Dagana addresses him and he says, Someone like you, O Abu Bakr, it does not befit that you leave Mecca nor does it befit that you should be expelled by, by the people of Mecca. Why? And then he, and he, subhanAllah, he doesn't know about this hadith. He doesn't know what Khadija radiallahu anha told Rasulullah sallallahu It's an independent incident, not related in any way. And he says, Exact same order, same words. I mean, pretty much, not pretty much, word for word, in fact, the exact same description. So this shows, then, then he didn't just say it once. After that, he took him with him. He said, no, I'm not going to allow this to happen. Uthman ibn Affan was one of the muhajireen to Habasha. And Ali radiallahu brother, of course, was there, Jafar bin Abi Talib. He was a spokesman in front of the Najashi. But uh, Abu Bakr started, as we see, he came back. Umar did not go. He would never, he was, he was not afraid of anyone, as we know. In fact, the day he did hijrah, he went out into the haram, made a tawaf, prayed, prayed a salah, 
then he loudly proclaimed that who wants his wife to be a widow? Who wants his children to be orphans? Etc., etc. Then let him come out to stop me. I'm going for Hijrah today. Right? That was Umar radiallahu But um, Ali radiallahu was a child. But so Uthman radiallahu is the only one from the Khulafa Rashidun who did, did, who did the Hijrah hijra to Habasha. So he is Sahib al Hijratain, just like he is Sahib al Nurain. Idun Nurain. He did the two hijrats and he had the two, two, two wives, daughters of Rasulullah. So Ibn Daghna takes Abu Bakr Siddiq back to the leaders of the Quraysh and he says, This is such a man, he cannot be expelled from Makkah, he should not leave. Right? Do you want to expel such a man? How dare you expel a person who has these attributes? So what's happening here, this is known as Nisbat Ittihadi, where he was so close to Rasulullah and that he had, mashaAllah, embodied within himself many of the sifat of Rasulullah This is something that we see that uh, some disciples that are so close to their Shaykh that Nisbah transfers. Even worldly love, Ish Majazi, between spouses sometimes if they have developed that understanding and love between themselves for decades, they um, have grown old together, then they can complete each other's sentence. They know exactly what the other partner is, is thinking, the way they would approach a given situation. It's not only about how they like their coffee. <laughs> Beyond that, they understand the individual very well. So this is how Abu Bakr Siddiq was so close to Rasulullah Um And there's a whole list of these incidents in his life where they have the exact same response when it comes to dealing with the prisoners of Badr or when it comes to Hudaybiyah. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he was very, initially he was very upset by the decision of going back without performing Umrah in the sixth year of Hijrah at the time of Hudaybiyah. So he goes to Rasulullah and asks a series of questions. Ya Rasulullah, are we not on Haq? Are they not on Batil? Did you not see a dream? We're going to perform Umrah. Why is it that we are signing this treaty? And Rasulullah gives him a series of responses. Then he, when he goes to Abu Bakr Siddiq, he asks this, the same questions. It's a long story. But we see that when he asks the questions, what Abu Bakr Siddiq, it was not there in the first meeting. He's a separate meeting. And he gives the what? Exact same responses. Then Umar grabs his head and says, SubhanAllah. How is it that Abu Bakr is giving the exact same responses as Rasulullah? Um, that's how similar he was. In fact, when they did the when they performed the hijrah and they came, um, uh, Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu did not identify who Rasulullah was initially because he didn't want everyone to crowd Rasulullah But then eventually, when he had to identify him, then he stood up to give him shade. So then the people realized, okay, he is the Hadim and he is the Makdum. Who is the servant and who is the master? Subhanallah. That is the level of closeness he had, the level of love he had. Like it comes in the hadith of the hijrah that Nabi Wasallam drank the milk. Um, he says, Nabi Wasallam, shariba, he drank until I was satisfied. He continued to drink until I got satiated. The love of Abu Bakr Siddiq. Now, then she takes him فَانْتَلَقَتْ بِهِ خَدِيجَةُ حَتَّى أَتَتْ بِي وَرَقَةَ بِنَوْفِلْ بِنْ أَسَدْ بِنْ عَبْدِ الْعَزَّةِ ابْنَ عَمِّ خَد
She takes him to Waraka bin Nofil, to her cousin. Now Waraka is the son of Nofil, who is the son of Asad. And Khadija radiallahu anha is the son of, uh, Khadija is the daughter of Huwailid, who is also the son of Asad. So you see this Huwailid and Nofil, they are brothers. Huwailid is the father of Khadija, and Nofil is the father of Waraka. So their fathers are brothers, meaning they are first cousins. And this Waraka bin Nofil bin Asad bin Abdul Uzza. And this bin Abdul Uzza is the son of Qusay, great-grandfather of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Ibn Ammi Khadija, cousin of Khadija radiallahu anha. He was a man who had become a Christian during the Jahili times. So, majority, as we know, of the Mushrikeen were pagans. They were worshipping idols. There were few individuals who ha were searching for truth, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had guided them. And one of them was this Waraqa bin Nofil. He also had studied the scriptures, as we can see here. It says here, in fact, وَكَانَ يَكْتُبُ الْكِتَابَ الْعِبْرَانِي he, w he even learned how to write Hebrew. فَيَكْتُبُ مِنَ الْإِنْجِيلِ بِالْعِبْرَانِيَ مَا شَاءَ اللَّهُ يَكْتُبَ So he would take uh, the Injil of Isa alayhi salam, whatever version of it was still available in its corrupted form. Some of it was haq, some of it was batil, it was mixed up. We talked about this in the past, about the previous scriptures, the Israeliyat, the three types, if you may recall. He would take it and he would write it, he would translate it. He, he would translate it from Arabic to Hebrew, from Hebrew to Arabic. So he could read and write not only Arabic, but Ibrani. Ibrani is Hebrew. Now, uh, so mashallah, he was one. And another individual was very famous uh, from amongst the Quraysh prior to Rasulullah who had accepted Tawheed is Zayd bin Amr bin Nufail. Zayd bin Amr bin Nufail. It's a very... Uh, interesting individual, fascinating individual because uh, he also searched far and wide he went to different um, rabbis from the Yehud and different Rahban from the Christians the monks, he learned about their religions and he met finally some of them who identified for him that look there are corruptions that have come into our faith and if you want to follow the original faith then follow the, uh, the faith of uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam. Ma kana Ibrahim Yehudiyan wala Nasraniyan wala kana Hanifan Musliman. He was not a Yehudi in the form of that the Yehudis have adopted later on, nor was he a Nasrani in the sense of the Nasraniyun, the Christians. But wala kana Hanifan. He turned away from all the shirk. Hanif means the one who turns away from all batil and turns towards Allah. And he submitted to Allah. So this uh, Zayd bin Amr bin Nufail, he had made his own shahada and he said Ya Allah I accept you on the way of Ibrahim the Hanif and I am Hanifian I am on the deen of Ibrahim the Hanif the one who turned away from al-ma'ila the one who turns away from all the false religions we may recall the famous statement of Ibrahim salam after seeing the stars and the moon and the sun all um, uh, passing the sun sets, the moon sets, the stars fade. Then what did he say at the end? Inni wajahtu wajhiya. I turned my face. Lilladhi fatarat samawati wal arda hanifan. To that being who is fatara. Fatara is not only khalaqa created, but fatara means who originated it without any pre-existence. He brings it into existence. That's fatara. Fatarat samawati wal arda. Who is the originator 
of the heavens and the earth. I turn my face towards him, Hanifan. Right? I'm definitely not among the mushrikeen. So he accepted the deen of Hanif Ibrahim alayhi salam. That's with respect to his aqidah. But what is also very beautiful about the Zayd bin Amr is that not only haqqullah but haqqul ibadillah. He was worried about the creation. So he had a personal crusade. I don't want to use the word crusade. It gives other negative connotations. But he had a personal mission against the burying of girls. Wa'adul banat. So this was his whole mission where he would go and he would rescue girls that were being buried. And for this purpose, he spent huge amounts of funds. He would give the fathers, na'udhu billah, what type of fathers they are. Allah Akbar. What is, that's why it's called jahiliyyah. It's like straight up jahiliyyah. How much jahil can you get? When they are given the glad tidings about a girl, you have a birth of a girl. His face turns black in anger and he is holding it in. He starts hiding from the people. Because of the evil bad news he received from his perspective. Then he has two choices he's contemplating. Should I continue to keep this girl and raise her and bear the humiliation of that? Or the second option, I get rid of her by burying her alive in the desert sand. Evil indeed is what they are uh, judging between the two. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He speaks about the catastrophic events at the level of the universe and the galaxies and the destruction on the Yawm al Qiyamah, either Shamsu kuvirat, wa either Nuyumun kadarat, wa either Jibalu suyirat, wa either Isharu atilat. These are huge incident, uh, tragic occurrences of the destruction of the heavens and the earth, the sun and the moon. The mountains are flying like clouds. They're being you know, destroyed. And the oceans are being engulfed in flames. Then at, in this whole series of gigantic catastrophic events in that same series Allah Ta'ala says وَإِذَا الْمَوْؤُودَةُ سُئِلَتْ and then that is when the girl who is buried alive she will be asked because this is a tragedy at the same level وَإِذَا الْمَوْؤُودَةُ سُئِلَتْ she'll be asked what else she'll be asked بِأَيِّ ذَنْبٍ قُتِلَتْ what crime did you commit that you were killed بِأَيِّ ذَنْبٍ قُتِلَتْ so he had this personal mission to save girls. And he would go, and when you find out someone is about to do this, he would go and he would uh, pay them, ransom the girls from the fathers by giving t tens of tens of camels, hundreds of camels. So he, he spent his entire fortune saving these girls. Such a legendary figure. Zayd, that is why it's worth knowing. Zayd bin Amr bin Nufayl. And his brother was Khattab. And Khattab was the father of? Umar bin Khattab radiallahu ta'ala so he was uncle of Umar radiallahu and his son was from the Ashara Mubashara bil Jannah Sa'id bin Zayd Sa'id bin Zayd radiallahu ta'ala is one of the ten sahaba guaranteed Jannah was the son of this legendary pre-Islamic Muslim figure pre-Rasulullah Muslim individual who submitted to Allah believed in one Allah followed the deen of Ibrahim alayhi salam his, his son was Sa'id ibn Zayd. And Sa'id ibn Zayd radiallahu anhu, he 
he was eclipsed by his cousin Umar but he accepted Islam before Umar and he was the one who was in fact had a major role to play in the Islam of Umar we're not going to repeat the whole story of Umar accepting Islam because it's well known but there's one scene where he goes to the house of his sister Fatima bin Khattab and Fatima bin Khattab was married to her cousin Sa'id bin Zaid so Sa'id bin Zaid was not only the cousin of Umar who was also his brother-in-law so Sa'id bin Zaid and Fatima bin Khattab husband and wife, first cousins they were reading the Quran learning from Khabbab bin Arad was teaching them when he comes in and he smacks her and etc etc then he finally starts reading you may have covered in the Tuesday tafsir in the beginning so he was an individual and then you have this these are two of the great individuals who accepted Islam before Rasulullah so Waraka said to him Yabna Akhi Yabna Akhi means Oh the son of my brother The son of my brother In short his nephew There's two reasons One is because he was much older So he's addressing a younger man as my nephew Rasulullah is how old? 40 years And he was much older Second reason is that From a lineage perspective Rasulullah's father And himself They were at the same Meaning they both go back to Qusayb at the fifth level. And Rasulullah is six generations down from Qusayb. What did you see? Rasulullah told him exactly what he saw. He narrated it back to Waraqa. So Waraqa said, This is the Namus. Namus is the one who keeps the secrets, carries the secret. If he's carrying a good secret, it's Namus. And he's carrying a bad secret, it's Jasus. Right? So these are two words, Namus and Jasus. Um, and uh, the Jibreel alayhi salam is the Namus who is carrying the good news between Allah and his prophets. And the Jasus is the spy who is carrying the news, secret news. But yeah, that, that has an evil connotation as Namus has a positive meaning. This is the same Namus, Musa, the one who uh, brought the revelation to Musa. One question comes here is that if you go back a few lines, it says here that he had accepted Christianity. He had accepted Christianity, Nasrani. And the Nasrani is the one who follows Isa salam at different levels some said he is he is a Nabi of Allah the Muahidun very few of them remained others said he is son of God some said he is one third God he is God all the different opinions they have all different opinions about him they're all in doubt they're confused they don't have knowledge they're following their conjectures and ideas so he was a Christian he doesn't say he was a Yehudi when he is talking about the angel, why does he say this is the same angel that came upon Musa instead of saying Isa? So there are a number of reasons. One reason is because Musa alayhi salam, the wahid that came upon him, the Torah, was similar in nature to the Quran. Musa alayhi salam's Torah had ahkam, had injunctions, had commandments that were the standard 
orders from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for generations upon generations. When uh, Isa alayhi salam came, he did not uh, cancel out the ahkam of the Torah completely. Rather, he refreshed the ahkam of the Torah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about Isa alayhi salam in the Quran that مُصَدِّقًا لِمَا بَيْنَ that he came to testify to the truth of the previous scriptures and he came to remove the wrong interpretations of the rabbis throughout the centuries to bring them back to the original ahkam of the Torah. Of course, there were some additional uh, lessons and wa'ad and advices to soften the heart in the Injil. But the basic gist of the ahkam were present from the, in the Torah. And Musa salam has a very close resemblance with Rasulullah on many fronts. This is a, an interesting study that what are the comparisons between Musa salam and, um, and Rasulullah When Musa salam received his nubuwa, then that was a frightening incident for him as well. With um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaking to him from the burning bush in the middle of the desert. Likewise, when Rasulullah had this initial shock, it was, it was something that frightened him. And Musa salam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted him victory over uh, Fir'aun, who was the greatest enemy of his time. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted victory to Rasulullah over the Quraysh in Makkah. And Abu Jahl, who was the Fir'aun of this ummah, was killed in the Battle of Badr. Then he says, Ya laytani fiha jaza'an. Oh, I wish that I would be alive at that time. Ya laytani akunu hayyan idh yukhrijuka qawmuk. I wish I would be alive when your people will expel you. So Rasulullah replied, Awa mukhrijiyahum, will they be expelling me? So he was not afraid of the, about the fact that they will be denying him, that they will be torturing him, that they will be uh, um, uh, giving him pain in all different shapes and forms. The thing that really hurt him more than anything else was that when he learned that he will be expelled from Makkah. And the reason this hurt him is because of his strong attachment to Makkah, to the Baytullah, to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this was something very painful for him to imagine. That is why when he made hijrah, that was a very painful day in which he cried and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala consoled him and said, Ya Verily that Allah has revealed the Quran upon you He promises that he will return you back And Rasulullah addressed Makkah and said Ya Makkah O Makkah you are the most beloved piece of earth to me If it wasn't that the Makkans had expelled me from you I would never have left you Subhanallah Then after that we see uh, he said, قَالَ نَعَمْ He said, yes. لَمْ يَأْتِ رَجُلٌ قَطُّ بِمِثْلِ مَا جِئْتَ بِهِ إِلَّا عُودِيَةً Oh, Muhammad Wasallam, Whenever any man in the past, because all the Anbiya in the past were men, وَمَا أَرْسَلَ مِنْ قَبْلِكَ إِلَّا رِجَالًا We have not sent messengers prior to you, but they were all men. So whenever a man came before with this wahi, he, was, he had enemies and he had to face difficulties. This goes with Nubuwa, with Amr bil Ma'roof. And more so, it goes with Nahi Anil Munkar. When you command people to do good, perhaps they may accept, may not accept. But when you prevent them from evil, they will oppose you. That's why they're always linked together. Tawasaw bil haqi wa tawasaw 
بالصبر لقمان عليه السلام is telling his son that وأمر بالمعروف وأنها عن المنكر واصبر على ما أصابك invite towards good oh my son and prohibit from evil and be patient it's not a matter if you face opposition it's a matter of when it comes you will have you will face opposition in this path you must be patient وإن يدركني يومك if I'm alive on that day I will surely help you. He promised that. However, not much time passed, and Tufia, he, uh, not much, uh, before much time elapsed, Waraka passed away. He did not have an opportunity. And the Wahi came to a pause. There was a pause for about two years where there was no Wahi. And then we will pick up the discussion from there as the time for Salah is there. Just like we had a summer pause. Uh, so that is known as the fat of Fatr uh, al-Wahi. The first revelation after Fatr al-Wahi was Ya Ayuhal Muzzammil and Ya Ayuhal Muddathir Qum fa'anzir wa rabbaka fakabbir And why did the pause came? What's the hikmah behind that pause? And how did the pause end? Inshallah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us uh, tawfiq to continue the discussion from here. This will lead us directly into the second hadith. Uh, not the second hadith, the next hadith where uh, Imam Bukhari rahmatullahi picks up from how um, how after this long pause in revelation Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down Jibreel alayhi salam once again Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi salam saw him in his full form may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us more yaqeen upon the bi'atha of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi salam on his prophethood and on the kalamullah and grant us the true love of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi salam the way Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu had May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala unite us with him in Jannah. Wa akhidawana alhamdulillah.